Welcome to CXO Chat. This is a show where top C-level executives from around the world share their inspiring success stories and leadership advice. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Jason Dumois, and I am your host here at CXO Chat. Today, we have a very special guest who is on our show. He, uh, he has been an advisor to Fortune 1000 organizations on data leadership for three plus decades. He is a founder, CEO, thought leader, author, and speaker in the field of data-driven business leadership. He is the best-selling author of Fail Fast, Learn Faster, Lessons in Data-Driven Leadership in an Age of Disruption, Big Data, and AI. He is a contributing author for Forbes, Harvard Business Review, MIT Slow Management Review, and the Wall Street Journal. He was the founder and CEO of New Vantage Partners, a data and analytics strategic advisory firm, which he founded in 2001. The firm was acquired by Wavestone, a Paris-based global consultancy, which is listed on the Euronext Exchange in December of 2021. He currently is Innovation Fellow, Data Strategy for Wavestone. All right. I would love to welcome our guest, Randy Bean. Hi, Randy. Welcome and thank you for being on our show today, sir. Hi, Jason. I'm delighted to be here with you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. And I, I tell you, as I was uh, reading your bio here, Randy, I am just thoroughly impressed and, uh, you know, I have a lot of great questions I'm going to ask you today. And, uh, you know, really, really interested in that book, you know, the Fail Fast, Learn Faster. I love that title. So, uh, so we got a, we got a, lots of uh, great questions for you today on our show. So, um, you know, I want to start, you know, I always start with this question for with all of our guests, Randy. Um, you know, in general, people love to hear success stories, right? Who doesn't? Who doesn't like a success story where you can, you know, listen and learn from someone who's been there and done that and, you know, you just kind of get encouraged, right? So um, I know your story is very, very exciting. And, you know, you built your company, um, you know, New Vantage Partners. Um, you built it over the last, you know, about 20 years or so, and then you you exited it. I I am just very impressed with that. So if you could just share a little bit about that story and, you know, how you founded the company and what you were doing and all the way up into the exit to Wavestone. All right. How long do we have? No, I'm just kidding. I will give you the uh, fairly condensed version. Uh, if I go back to the beginning, I was born in Brockton, Massachusetts, which is famous because it's the home of Rocky Marciano and Marvin Hagler, the world uh, championship boxers. So that instills in you a certain fight and a certain scrappiness. And I grew up uh, most of my life in, in Boston. And sometimes when people ask me uh, about that, I say I'm right out of Goodwill hunting, you know, and that's even given uh -huh. the accent, dro dropping the, the G's and the R's. But uh, to, to move to the present, uh, I started when I came out of college, I actually studied literature and history and art history and uh, the liberal arts very interested in writing and very interested in um, lessons that you learn from history. 
But when I started my career, I went where the jobs were. And so I joined a major bank, uh, Bank of Boston, founded in 1784. Now it's part of Bank of America. And there were two sides to the bank. Basically, there was the commercial lending side, and you had to be able to trace your lineage to the Mayflower. I couldn't at the time, but since they have Ancestry.com, I actually can on one of the sides. But if you couldn't trace your ancestry to the Mayflower, they asked you to go into this new area called information technology. So that was uh, 1979, 1980. So I happen mm-hmm. to have uh, experienced the past four decades of the boom of technology and the boom of data. Uh, I started off, I was trained as a COBOL and assembler programmer. I was more interested in the data than I was in the programming. I moved into the strategic planning organization, which was led by McKinsey in terms of external partners at that time. Uh, spent eight years in total with the bank and then went with a uh, early pioneer in what was known as database marketing at the time. Now it's known as CRM, a company called mm-hmm. Hart Hanks. And within a couple of years, I became the leader of the North American uh, financial services practice. So working with all the major banks and insurance companies. And at that time, there were a lot more banks. This was pre-consolidation. And then the internet era came along in 1998. And, uh, you know, I felt the itch and I went and I became a uh, founder pre-funding of two venture-backed startups, Silicon Valley based, uh, funded mm. by the second one was funded by Kleiner Perkins. Uh, so I wrote that experience. I was in charge of I, I built the San Francisco and New York offices and uh, was doing that until 2001 when everything came collapsing down post the collapse of the NASDAQ and 9-11. And at that point in time, I launched uh, what came to be the company that I ran for 20 years, New Vantage Partners. And the idea would be that we would be high-end boutique consultants to Fortune 1000 companies looking to leverage data and analytics in their business. So over the years, partners in the firm included former CIOs from places like Bank of America, Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, State Street Bank, MetLife, among other organizations. So ran the firm for 20 years, and then uh, we were acquired in uh, 2001, as mentioned, by a Paris-based global consultancy. So now I'm on to the next chapter in my uh, professional life and career. That's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what uh, what what are you doing then currently, uh, Randy, at, at, at Wavestone, um, you know, post acquisition? Yeah, so we completed the full merger at the end of 2022. So I'm really only three months into my new life. But for the first time in many, many years, I, I don't run a business. I don't own a P&L. I'm no longer responsible for revenue, no longer responsible for expenses and people. Rather, I, instead, I have this new status called uh, Innovation Fellow. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, I think, a little bit like being a, a professor emeritus. So mm-hmm. in that context, I'm continuing to do a lot of writing, probably more than ever now, a lot of speaking, uh, organizing chief data officer events uh, across multiple forums, uh, for example. For the past nine years, I've been organizing the MIT Chief Data Officer Symposium keynote panel. So I've brought together about 45 chief data officers uh, over the years. And this summer have uh, 
a panel of chief data officers from Sanofi, uh, Universal Music, um, uh, Colgate, Paul Mollive, um, let's see who else, uh, Visa, and uh, one other that's escaping me at the moment, but it will be Levi's. So it will be mm -hmm. uh, an exciting event. And uh, I'm also serving as a mentor to uh, the folks at Wavestone as they build a global data leadership brand. Wow. Well, that, you know, that's really exciting that, that you're, you're able to, you know, move into that, uh, that new role at, at Wavestone. And by the way, congratulations, Randy, on, on, on that acquisition, you know, hard work does pay off, right? <laughs> 20, 20 years, uh, working hard for yourself and then getting, you know, having that reaching that milestone, you know, congratulations. That's a big, big virtual high five to you. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, uh, so let's let's dig deeper here um, into you know data data analytics, Randy. I mean, obviously that's your been your bread and butter and your specialty over the years. Uh, you know, we I would like to hone in now on on you know let's talk about a project. Can you describe a successful data driven project uh, your company led and the outcome of that project? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm going to do it at, at a at a high level, and in this way, you know, you refer sure. to the uh, title of the book, "Fail Fast, Learn Faster," mm -hmm. and where that title came from was uh, some number of years ago. I was watching a uh, tennis match, one of the major championships, and there was a Swiss player, not Roger Federer, but another one, uh, Stan Wawrinka, who actually happens to have won three major. Um, titles, three of the Grand Slams. And I happened to notice that he had this long, this really long tattoo running down his arm. Every time he went to serve, I could see this tattoo. So I kind of zeroed in on it. And what it said was, uh, fail, ever tried, fail fast, uh, you know, learn faster, uh, fail again. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was really interesting and really inspiring and a great metaphor for, for, for learning from experience. And I went to look it up, and the, uh, the um, quote actually came from the Irish playwright uh, uh, Samuel Beckett, who wrote Waiting for Godot. So I adapted it for the book, Fail Fast, Learn Faster, as a metaphor for learning from experience. So over the course of mm -hmm. the past 20 years, I've worked with uh, many name brands from Visa to MasterCard to American Express, uh, Fidelity Investments, uh, MetLife. Uh, many others. But in my book, I, I talk about the uh, data and analytics journey of American Express. And what was interesting about that was I interviewed and wrote about American Express in addition to working with them over the course of close to 20 years. And one of the things that was exciting about them is they're a very data and analytics driven company, but they had to adopt and adapt to the new technologies and new capabilities Data was proliferating at ever greater rates. Uh, technology capacity made it uh, so that you could get data in larger volumes much more rapidly. Obviously, the digital age made communicating with customers in an online fashion that much more important. So American Express had to go through the journey as a legacy company to adopt each of these technologies and capabilities and adapt to them. And on al along the way, they had both successes and failures, which I chronicle it in the book. 
But one of the um, interesting things that I that, um, maybe could see coming at the time was, I think it was around the 2010-2011 period, and American Express was known at that time for having roughly 2,000 PhD statisticians and kind of the equivalent of what would be known today as data scientists. But mm-hmm. there was the mindset that, uh, you know, with Google and Facebook and others coming out of Silicon Valley, you really need that skill set. So uh, American Express tried an experiment where they opened an office uh, in Silicon Valley and they hired a new chief technology officer or something equivalent. And the mindset was they were going to hire all these people out of the Googles and Facebooks and have those be the next wave of the PhD experts in data science for American Express. But what happened, and a lot of companies learned this lesson, is they weren't expert in the business. You know, they could be, um, so it was much easier to learn the data science skills and much harder to learn the business. So within a few years, they shut that down and they redoubled their efforts with their core base back in New York or with the traditional people that knew their business. So, you know, the main point there is that um, any type of change or transformation is hard, particularly when you're a legacy organization. But really, it's the people that know the organization best, understand the company, understand the company's customers that can be uh, most successful in the long run and differentiate your company and your brand. And a lot of the newer skills people can be trained on. All right. Well, well, thank you for sharing for sharing that, Randy. I really do appreciate that. Um, you know, I will continue on moving down here. We have a few more questions for you this morning. Um, so, another question I like to you know ask my guest. Um, you know, obviously, you've had a lot of success uh, over the years. You know, you know. With that success, you have to build really good teams, right? So as a leader in your organization, whether it's your own company or a bigger company, um, you know, hiring what I would call, you know, A-plus teams or A-plus uh, folks or the rock stars, right? <laughs> um, how do you personally, Randy, go about building really good A-plus quality teams, yeah, you know, that's a great, interesting question, because I never, ever thought of myself as a great leader. My wife, I think of as a great leader. She's managed thousands and thousands of people uh, in, in large organizations. But my approach has always been very different, maybe a little bit more of a rebel. Um, I've tended to build small organizations of really mm-hmm. super smart people, the, the best in the business. I view it as... Mm-hmm. Uh, creating an all-star team of people that are far smarter than myself. When I launched New Vantage Partners, my original co-founder was an MIT PhD in high-performance computing. I mentioned, uh, you know, we also brought in a PhD from Yale University in artificial intelligence at that time. And I mentioned subsequently bringing in people that held the chief information officer roles and even vice chairman roles at organizations like Bank of America, um, Citigroup, uh, J.P. Morgan, mm-hmm. and organizations of that kind. So my uh, modus operandi has always been to hire really great people, give them a lot of freedom. My view is as long as the client's happy, the client's satisfied, the client's uh, 
feels good about the work that they're achieving, you know, we're being successful. And that's how we really built a, a great brand and a great company. Uh, that, that's awesome. No, I, I really appreciate you sharing that today. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you know, and there's nothing wrong with building a small team, right? You know, you can build a small, the best of the best, you know, versus managing and building teams of hundreds or thousands of folks. So that's, uh, no, thank you for sharing that. Um, so moving on, Randy, uh, let's talk about now uh, trends. Okay. So um, what would you say, Randy, are some of the most exciting trends or innovations in your field of data and analytics? Yeah, it's really pretty simple. And there's really two right now. One is uh, generative AI, which is just exploding. And it holds great potential and great promise, as well as uh, potential threats and great danger, if not managed with the proper ethical guardrails. So there's so much happening happening on the generative AI front. You know, I was reading in the Wall Street Journal this morning that there's been greater adoption of generative AI than any comp- comparative uh, technology in the past 40 years. So that's saying something. Each day brings something different. The second area is the focus on delivering business value from data and analytics investments, uh, particularly in, you know, what Mark Zuckerberg calls a year of efficiency. You know, organizations are really looking at uh, how they're spending the data and analytics dollars. Uh, It's not that they are uh, cutting back in any way. If anything, they're investing more and more, but they want to see measurable results and measurable outcomes that are tied to business value. Uh, you know, what I say to many audiences when I speak to them is that unless you can measure the business and value of your data and analytics investments, you should stop them immediately. You know, it's not that I believe that wholesale, but companies really, you know, it's time to start measuring what the outcome is and not investing in, you know, just another data project, data modernization, data fabrics. Um, you need to be able to see how it's impacting your business growth, your efficiency and effectiveness, your cost savings, your customer acquisition, your customer retention, those type of metrics. So you mentioned generative AI. For those uh, listeners of ours here that aren't familiar with generative AI, what, what is that? Uh, you, many are probably familiar with chat GPT. Basically, it's... Uh, the power of AI now to generate, you know, if you ask a question, you say, uh, uh, you know, write a paper on a particular subject. If you say create a biography for me, it's the power of artificial intelligence to using mm. large language models to uh, do that. Something that previously was not available in a commercial context. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I've heard uh, Randy <laughs> Everybody's using Chat GPT these days. Uh, even my 16-year-old son was was using it to help him write a paper. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yes. I tell you what. Yeah, that's that's, that's really uh, some really good advancements in AI, and uh, you know, good good and bad. I mean, I think some sometimes uh, some of the stuff and you know, some of it's kind of scary when you think about it. But but you know, in, in my opinion, I, I think it's all all going to be good down down the road. So. Um, so awesome. So let's see here. Um, now I would like your advice. Um, what advice, Randy, would you give to someone who is interested in pursuing a career in data and analytics? 
Well, you know, it's it's funny because uh, a couple of years ago, you know, I, I do a wide range of things and I was hosting a panel or actually not a panel. I was doing a fireside chat and the person I was interviewing was somebody that now is in the data and analytics field, broadly speaking, but they started their career as a uh, music promoter, rock music promoter, and then a uh, film producer. So, for example, this person began their career as the uh, tour manager for Bob Dylan, and then later managed mm -hmm. acts like Bob Dylan and the band, and lived with George Harrison from the Beatles for a period of time, and then went on to become a Hollywood film producer, uh, producing films like Martin Scorsese's Mean Streets, uh, The Last Waltz, uh, To Die For, films of that kind. And so he was asked the question because uh, near the end of the discussion, we're talking a lot about uh, advances in artificial intelligence and data science. And somebody in the audience said, so should uh, our advice to all of our children be to uh, major in data science and become data scientists? And his response was absolutely not, unless you want to be replaced by an algorithm. He said, mm. my advice is to study the humanities, uh, English history, art history, develop uh, critical thinking skills, because that's what will be needed, uh, not something that can easily be replaced by a computer algorithm. Yeah, that's uh, it seems like a lot of AI, you know, Randy is replacing jobs out there <laughs> and, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting what's happening in the advancement of uh, uh, in your field. So, um, all right, well, we are almost done here. So I got a, I got a last question here for you. Let's talk about your book. So sure. uh, you had mentioned, uh, uh, your book. And I, I saw you, you held up your book when I was introducing you. That's great. So let's uh, tell me all about, you know, fail fast, learn faster. And if, can you just give a quick, like Cliff Notes version or high level summary of your book and, you know, talk about the inspiration of what, you know, what encouraged you to to write that book? Um, so first I'll talk about uh, what the book's about. It, it's meant to provide a perspective on the last 40 to 50 years, how data and analytics and AI have really changed how not only businesses operate, but the impact on the world and all social sectors. You know, at the time I was writing the book during COVID, uh, you know, there was a whole issue of positivity rates and what the data meant. So I organized the book into a little history of big data the importance of thinking different. In other words, uh, becoming data-driven requires a different mindset. And, you know, I refer to the Apple Think Different marketing campaign. Here's to the crazy mm -hmm. ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and the square holes, the ones who see differently because those are the ones, those are the people who change things. And I go on to talk about, uh, you know, the status of the, the world today in terms of the use of data, the emergence of the chief data officer, the challenges that organizations face, which usually revolve around establishing a data culture, because transformation and change are uh, never easy for any organization. I wrap up with a couple of case studies. I talk about data disruption and innovation. And importantly, I talk about data responsibility and data ethics because we do have a responsibility to uh, ourselves, our customers, and succeeding generations to um, 
treat data and AI and analytics in a very responsible fashion. And in terms of the inspiration for the book, when publisher reached out to me, I said, uh, yeah, I'd like to write a, a memoir. <laughs> and they said, mm -hmm. uh, no, you know, we, we really want a business book. So I wrote the business book. But my next book, I aspire to write the memoir, you know, the history of mm -hmm. what I've experienced in these different, mm -hmm. uh, you know, during the time of uh, data and AI growth and working on Wall Street, working in mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, starting a business, selling a business and lessons learned. Love it. Love it, Randy. Well, you know, when, when that book's out, let, let let me know and we'll <laughs> we'll have you back on the show. You can talk about that book next. So, uh, All right. But you know what? I I, I really uh, I, I'm actually you know you know I'm not really a, a a data guy, right? So I'm I'm more uh you know an entrepreneur and you know in the um you know the field of 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 recruiting you know technology recruiting. But look, I'm very interested in reading your book. I'm I'm definitely going to pick up a copy of your book and check it out and read it. Um, where where can everybody um who is listening. Um, to your wonderful podcast, Randy, C can they go to what Amazon maybe and buy yeah, it? Or right, where? Right, right on Amazon um, has been selling well. Uh, it has a lot of uh, really great reviews out there. So um, yes, it's easy to get right on Amazon. Great. All right, everybody um, who everybody's listening in, go to Amazon right now and search for "Fail Fast, Learn Faster." By Randy Bean. Um, all right. So last question, obviously, um, this is, uh, you know, everybody who has tuned in today, if, if they want to get a hold of you, Randy, and just shoot you a message and, you know, talk to you about your book or maybe get some advice from you, uh, what would the best um, medium be for, for folks to reach out to you? Well, my uh, personal email is rbean at randybeandata.com. Uh, my personal website is uh, randybeandata.com. And I'm on uh, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter as well. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. If you were inspired by today's success story, please share this episode with your network. To listen to upcoming episodes with other inspiring C-Level executives, please follow CXO Chat. Inspiring success stories, leadership advice. This is CXO Chat.